for me, looking back, if I could kind of give myself advice, it was just like get through that phase because it's really, really challenging. Hey, this is Alyssa Paget. Welcome to the RV Entrepreneur, episode 190. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly show for nomadic entrepreneurs. Most likely, that means you are traveling somewhere in the world by RV running a mobile business. And this week, I am back on the show for our fourth episode in what we are creatively calling a startup series because we're talking about Heath's software startup, Campground Booking. You may know if you've been listening to the podcast for any period of time that for the past few years, Heath has been slowly building out and bootstrapping his own software company with a couple of partners. And we've been doing what will be a six episode series when we are done just detailing his process over the past few years and talking about a few major topics. So far, we've covered product development, creating a partnership, and figuring out your pricing for your product or service. And today, we are going to dive into the world of sales, something that I am terrible at and that I always go to Heath. So I'm excited to share a little bit of his wisdom. But before we get into it, I wanted to give a little thank you to all the people that reached out and said, hey, this mini series was fun. You should definitely keep doing it. Keep sharing your campground booking story. So thank you to Dominic, who is actually listening from Spain, where he is RVing across Europe, to Sophia and Sasha, who reached out on Instagram, and to Vanessa and Benjamin, who tweeted at Heath. I didn't even really know people still tweeted people. But- I tell people to tweet me all the time. Yeah, but do they? Yeah, obviously. I mean, two people. Yeah. Okay. Hey. <laughs> and and Michael, who emailed and to say, hey, keep making episodes. I'm excited to keep taking over the show. It's, it's fun. It makes me feel like I have some sense of power here. Yeah, we decided that instead of just doing all six episodes at the same time, we would do three and then sincerely not record the next three until a few people reached out and said, hey, this is valuable. And it's kind of funny because sometimes you listen to people online. They're like, you know, people always ask me or, you know, like there's always <laughs> that kind of thing that people do uh, who like create content online. And so I was like, no, you know, if we get three people or five people, five who, people, five people who reach out and say this was valuable, you should keep talking about it, then we'll record the next few episodes. So thank you guys. You sent really nice messages, said it was helpful. And so here we are sitting down to record the next few episodes. Yes. So let's dive in. I want to talk a little bit of sales strategy and marketing strategy today, specifically, again, with Campground Booking. So early stages of the company, what was your sales strategy? How were you reaching out to these campgrounds? I think I talked about this maybe in the first part of the series, which was kind of like the early stages of our product and how we initially got it out there. So I guess starting at the beginning of our SaaS journey, which was our first iteration of selling, was me having designs of our campground software and just going to parks. And so it's been kind of this slowly evolving like demo process where basically we started with designs and said, hey, what do you think of this product? And that's a little bit of product marketing, but it's also sales because those people could convert later on. Mm -hmm. And some of them did. And so that was kind of like stage one. Once we got some initial feedback on what that software looked like, and right now we're using Envision app to create those designs. It's a really great tool that our designer kind of comes up with everything. And then we get feedback before we actually spend the time building it. And then the second part was we built out a super raw version of that. And our first version of campground booking, like there were several tabs that didn't do anything. So like accounts, we had accounts in there, but it was like just an email address on the front end. We had more data and stuff that we were doing in the back end, but like there were several tabs like yield management, some of these other things that didn't actually work. 
And so I remember for the first year and a half or so when I was doing demos, I would kind of like glaze past certain features that like (laughs) weren't on there at all. And I guess I can also talk about how I was getting some of those early demos. Mm -hmm. So we actually got quite a few people that started inbounding on Campground Booking's website from a fairly early stage, I guess because like there weren't a ton of campground softwares out there. And so just by literally creating the website campgroundbooking.com and it being kind of a good name that people might be searching, campground booking, like we started getting more demo requests on the site. It's not really a tool that yields itself well to a self-onboarding process. So we have to be very touch. It's like there's going to be no campground that really is like able to fully onboard themselves like without us talking to them. I say that, but we actually did have one do that. So it's just not, it's a product <laughs> that yields itself better to having those conversations. You know what I mean? And so the first year and a half was a lot of demos kind of talking with parks and sharing like where we're going with the product, our vision for it and and how it was working that day. And I remember a lot of those demos. And if you've ever started a software company or if you're in the midst of starting one right now, they were really hard. I remember like one in particular, you and I were either in like Pennsylvania, we were somewhere in the Northeast and we were at that park that had like a lake or something. And I was in that the, does not narrow it down. No, I know. But I was we were in the parking lot and like. There was a lake there. Oh, the state park. Yeah, it was a state park. God, why do I know exactly what you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah, it's so big. <laughs> and so we were there, and I remember you went out, like you were hanging out, getting some sun on the beach or whatever, and I was in the RV doing the demo. And I just remember feeling really discouraged because we had been building this tool for probably over a year at that point, or all close to a year, and it still wasn't working like I wanted to, and I couldn't get through a demo without certain things like kind of messing up. And at the time, I, I did feel extremely discouraged. But also in retrospect, now that I have a bit more of a long-term viewpoint on it, and I've made other friends in the software space, specifically like the B2B SaaS world, it's very common, I think, to have a product that's very raw. It takes a while to kind of build that type of robust product out that's serving customers. I was talking with a guy yesterday at the co-working space here in Denton, and he built operating system software for satellites, which sounds like super legit. That's like Elon Musk. Exactly. Level. Yeah. Yeah. Super legit. I try not to ask too many questions because I know I'm going to look really dumb talking to him. But I asked him, I was like, how long did it take you to get your first customer? And he said like a couple of years. Yeah. So it takes a long time when you're building software to kind of work through those phases. And I remember we actually got our first parks on board through an in-person pitch. So I flew up to Vancouver in late 2017 or the fall of 2017 with Paul and Bob and we did a pitch to like 30 campground owners and said here's the product where it's at today and here's some of the things we're building in that are different versus what's currently in the market now and after that we had three parks sign up from that in-person pitch and that was something that was kind of impactful for us because we realized that we're selling to small businesses they do everything in person and that's not to say that it's necessarily scalable for us to go be in person all the time, but we have made it a priority several times a year to go do in-person pitches or spend time in a campground's office and things like that. So, And by in-person pitches, you're not just talking about driving around a town, going from campground to campground. You're talking about meetings where there's multiple campgrounds present is really where there's more value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have partnerships with the Canadian Campground Association. So whenever we can line up, you know, 15, 20 people in a room that are all campground owners and potential customers, it's like, oh, let's jump on a plane and go up there and and do a demo because it totally makes sense. It probably wouldn't make as much sense. It wouldn't make as much sense for just to jump on a plane for like one park Mm -hmm. or something like that or drive, you know, halfway across the country for one campground. But, you know, if there's going to be several kind of in a geographic area, I actually think this year that could start making more sense for us this year 
Well, we'll be back in an RV. Too. We'll be back in an RV, but I think that's kind of been like my overall approach over the past few years. And it's been kind of a sliding scale. And now our demo process has actually like we started closing a lot more deals a lot more quickly now because the product's a few years in. Mm-hmm. And like I closed two deals or three deals in the past week from one demo which is really, really cool now because the products kind of got to a place where people are excited about it. I can address all their concerns. You said from one demo, like they each got one demo or you did like a group webinar? No, just from like, not last night, but the night before a campground sent a demo request in. I was sitting here on the couch and I (laughs) sent him a Zoom link for the next morning. I got halfway through the demo and they said, when can we get live? And I said, Monday. So that was like, we've had more parks that have requested demos to use our software and they've closed within like a 24 hour period than ever before. Like normally a lot of times like I would get off the phone and they would say like, well, let me go think about it or mm-hmm. let me, you know, like, they're, and it would just drag on. They were letting you on. off easy, kind of like after a first date, you're like, maybe, it's nice to meet you. Maybe, Bye. or we just didn't have a tipping point or we couldn't address all their concerns. Like, mm-hmm. and I think part of it's getting more comfortable pitching, part of it's learning their specific pain points and getting closer with them. And part of it's our product is much better than it was before. And we have other like social proof points because we can point to parks who are using it. Whereas before it's like, if you're trying to sell a product that nobody's using, that has no social proof points, you know, like it's not easy, especially if you're selling to people who are perhaps more weary of technology. For me, looking back, if I could kind of give myself advice, it was just like get through that phase because it's really, really challenging. And it's going to take a while for your product to get to where it needs to be. But some of the best advice I got was from Ryan from Outdoorsy. And I've mentioned this several times in the podcast, which is that your first five to 10 customers when you're building software, it's just like tell them that you're partnering with them instead of like selling them some out of the box, you know, product. Because if they sign up and they think that this is a fully refined, fine-tuned product, they're going to quickly realize that one, it's not. And two, they might be upset with you for setting false expectations. So you can kind of position as like, hey, look, here's the downside for you signing up right now. The downside is we won't have every feature out of the box that you want right now. The upside is you get to influence a product because we're in our early stages and you get to do so. Whereas if you were to go out and build this on your own, it would cost potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars to do so. And when we explain that to campgrounds. I said that on a call yesterday and they're like, I totally get it. And people are willing to be patient. They're willing to come in with that open mindset. And I think that makes a big, big difference because you don't want to have somebody come in with like the wrong level of expectations. Yeah. It's the whole concept of under promise over deliver. And when you kind of set those expectations in the beginning, you won't have any super disappointed customers because you really explained, Hey, we're not hundred percent yet. We're 80, we're 85. We're getting there. Yeah, exactly. So one question I had listening to you is you talked about how it took like half of a demo and someone interrupted you and was like, let's do it. I want to get there. And you also went in person and pitched to multiple people at the same time. What is your success rate with each? Are they about equal or is there one where it's like, hey, this is way more valuable. We need to do more of these. I think we need to do a lot more in person. Are there a lot of events or meeting type things for campground owners? There's some conferences and things like that out there. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily want to do that because there's so many other campground softwares there that I think it's easy to drown in the noise. We might still go just to go. I think that if you have a legit in-person demo opportunity and it doesn't cost too much, or maybe it's like there was a campground that recently signed up, they've got like five locations. So that would have been one that would totally make sense maybe on the second or third call if they were weary to go and visit in person because the dollars outweigh whatever costs a plane ticket might be or the gas in the RV. 
And so it's not necessarily that we can't close over demo online because Zoom works totally fine and most people don't have the expectations that you're going to come in person. It's just that certain relationships or customers might be more beneficial. You're just going to have a better relationship in person. You just will. If you're trying to have customer relationships where you're going to be there, you're going to be working with them for many, many years, hopefully, then it goes a long way to have that in-person FaceTime. And so that's kind of it more so than it's like creating raving customers, essentially. So it's not always possible, but, you know, when it comes up, I think it's something that we definitely will keep doing. Other than going to these kind of campground association meetings, how do you find leads? How do you find warm leads or, or cold leads even? And I know we talked about this, like part of the whole plan was you could just go to campgrounds as you and I were traveling. But as soon as you really started ramping up with campground booking and having a really marketable product, I got pregnant. We got off the road. So that kind of didn't, we didn't get yeah. to execute on that plan. We will more in 2020, but how do you find leads? Maybe there are opportunities when we get back on the road because we'll have, like you said, a product that's at a much better place and we mm -hmm. can just maybe like pop in. But a lot of times I think the problem with that is that small businesses are super, super busy. And so you're essentially like if you've ever went into a restaurant, like they're just running around like crazy. It's like trying to sell them something. They're like, no, I've got my customers. They're right here. And that's how a lot of campgrounds are, too. So I don't necessarily know that that would be like something that would work enough for us to make that our lives just for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, maybe if we reached out ahead of time. So what was the actual question? How do you find leads? Warm or cold? Yeah. Or so both? we're kind of doing a few different things right now. Our best, most successful channels have come from our partners. So early on, we signed deals to be the official partner, booking partner, whatever, of the Canadian Campground Association. We work closely with GoRV in Canada. We work with the BC Lodgings Association. And that kind of came from some relationships that I had built in the industry. They wanted to help more of their campgrounds go online and also send extra bookings from high-traffic camping websites like GoRVing and the Travel British Columbia website. And so that's where a lot of our leads have come from is like building that relationship, which the benefit to that has been it's allowed us to focus probably 90 to 95 percent of our time on just the product. Like we focused sincerely less than five percent. And it's probably a bad thing that I'm I'm not saying it like in a bragging way that we focus so little time on marketing because <laughs> we probably should have been more like 80, 20 or even more than that. But the nature has just been our product has required so much focus over the past few years that we've focused almost all of our effort on making it really good because it's hard to go out and sell a product if you feel like there's so many things that you still need to be focusing on. Well, I think there's a difference too between like being a perfectionist and needing it to be absolutely perfect before you try to sell it and just trying to get it to a point where, like you said earlier, like it's more sellable. It almost sells itself because it has all the features that someone yeah. needs. So it's kind of trying to flirt with that line. Like yeah. where's the line between like, product needs work but also like it's good enough and maybe even better than a lot of what's out there in the market so i know last year you brought on a part-time salesman our friend sean who has been working with you a few hours a week i actually don't even know how much on selling campgrounds do you still feel like sales is your job i know you're like ceo so how do you view the growth of the company i think for me what was really really helpful with having sean come on board because i've heard some stats with like software companies like if you're the ceo and you're primary like you're not technical mm -hmm. like you should really be selling until you reach like 100 customers kind of thing i don't know oh. if that's legit and with our space it might be different because we have a higher amount of like revenue per customer but the helpful thing with hiring sean a little over a year ago and he's actually 
I would say in between half and full time. Like he's working a lot of hours for us. Oh, cool. But I would say the benefit to hiring him was during peak camping season, he still was able to focus on sales when I was pulled in a lot of different directions. I was redoing mm-hmm. our website. I worked with our designer to kind of come up with like our product roadmap, essentially working a little bit with Scarlett, who's running our customer support and like getting things implemented on that side and helping her. And I'm trying to do a lot of different things. Like right now we're in the middle of a round. So I've been having to do calls with our lawyer. So I think I've been able to do a lot more sales actually in the winter right now because things are a little bit quieter, but having somebody to focus on that and jump on demos quickly and that be like a primary focus has been really helpful for me this year. And it sounds like just from hearing you talking about all the different things you've been juggling that you wouldn't have been selling any campgrounds or really growing much at all over this past year because you had so many other things that you were juggling. Exactly. And also it's hard sometimes if there's a something that pops up that I need to focus on, like my job as the CEO role, even though we're a small company right now, is that like if there's a fire, I need to like jump on and fix it and focus on that. And that just means that somebody's not focusing on selling. So we need to be growing, but we also need to be running a good business and having a good product. So that's kind of where, you know, having somebody come in that that's their focus is is helpful, even if it's not a full-time focus. Because it's not really a full-time focus for you. Right. Exactly. You've got so many things to do. I think that was the most interesting transition I've seen from you in the past year is before. Every time you were working on campground booking, it was either demos or customer service. That was like most of your time. And in the past year, you've really been able to kind of get that higher level, almost like overview of the company and focus on what direction you want to go in and and these kind of higher level things. So I guess, when did you recognize that you needed to hire out sales and, and hire out customer service, which we'll talk about in the next episode? I think whenever we realized we had a scalable pricing model a little over a year ago and our product was at a place where we needed somebody to help us get more leads in and jump on demos and like focus on the pipeline and recognizing also that I can do sales, like especially when I get on the phone, I'm good, but like certain elements of it, I'm not great at like the follow ups and making sure the pipeline is like all clean and up to date and HubSpot and all that kind of stuff. So having somebody like Sean to kind of make sure that that's his focus when he sits down to work on the business, I think that I don't know what the exact tipping point was. It was just, I felt like it made sense. So you mentioned that you use HubSpot and you mentioned that you've got like a sales pipeline. What does a sales cycle look like for you guys? If you've ever used HubSpot, it's really helpful. And we've actually... I've never used HubSpot, so keep it like low-level basic. Yeah, so HubSpot is essentially, you know, a tool that helps you manage relationships with customers. So like CRM and uh, customer relationship management. Got it. I'm pretty sure is the acronym for that. (laughs) I never use it, but I think that's what it is. So we actually like went back and forth on using HubSpot. And it's a pretty robust tool if you're just getting started. So like we actually signed up for it once or twice before and like quit using it because it was a lot to manage and input for, you know, if you've only got 10 to 20 leads or even less, it's like, really, do you really need this tool? Or can you just like throw it in Google Sheets Mm -hmm. and that would be efficient? So we're at a place now where it makes sense to have in there because Essentially, I can look at kind of like our Trello board that we use. We use Trello a lot. And so you've got like your six boards and you drag them from like, I need to do this to done. Mm -hmm. So we have like six little columns like that. 
And so we have like initial interest, meaning like they came in through our demo request form. We've got like a demo scheduled and then it moves over to interest after demo and each stage in the funnel, like it gets a little bit higher of a percentage that they'll close and we attach a value to each deal. So now in the pipeline, I can go see like we've got a little over a hundred thousand dollars worth of potential deals in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you can kind of see like what's in the pipeline helps with forecasting and things like that and also helps like. If I go in and look at a deal and I'm like, oh, we haven't talked to this park in like two months, but you know, it's a $5,000 customer for the year. So it's like, how do you calculate what they would be worth based on like the average volume of bookings that we've done this year? So we we can kind of look at all of our parks and see like how many bookings they are doing on average across all the parks. So there's Mm -hmm. kind of like a generic average that we're valuing campgrounds at for the year. But then also I can look at the number of sites and typically we try to ask on a demo, like what's your volume of bookings look like so we can kind of calculate the annual value from a revenue perspective okay that's interesting yeah so looking at say a campground would be like worth five thousand dollars annually how much are you guys spending as far as like your customer acquisition costs so right now it's mostly just man hours and time because we're spending a little bit on google ads not Mm -hmm. much i think it's maybe helped a little bit to be honest i don't know if it's helped a ton but we have our partners And so we built out a pretty cool trip planner that's on Garvey and Candace website and like campground listings that are on a few different sites and things like that. We have spent, I guess, sweat equity in creating tools that enable our partners to run better websites. Like this summer, we had over 100,000 people a month on our campground listings and we sent thousands and thousands of dollars to parks through additional bookings they wouldn't have gotten. And through some of those channels, we're getting referrals. So it's hard to calculate exactly what it costs to build all of that. It was quite a bit of time, but we're not actively spending like $400 on Facebook ads to like convert a customer mm-hmm. right now. We just don't have that type of budget yet. So it's mostly through referrals or demo requests that are coming in on our website, or we're just spending time on email outreach. But if I had to put a value, I would say like fourteen to $1,500 per customer in what we're spending from a time investment perspective to onboard them because it's all free for them. So like we don't charge anything. So like to onboard, to sell them and all of that, I would probably calculate it to be around that amount. I feel like that's really low if you're looking at $5,000 for the year. It's like instantly you're making money. It's a good amount, but we just need more revenue. We need more customers so that we can be spending more. You always want more customers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So with the current processes and everything that you've got in place, how fast can you grow? Like how fast can you keep adding on campgrounds? I mean, you had a park earlier that you were like, I had a demo yesterday and they want to be live on Monday. I created their account yesterday. Like we can create accounts and everything really quickly. Paul is a brilliant software architect. And when we first started working on this a few years ago, I didn't really know what a software architect was. It's like, you're a developer, right? But like (laughs) there's a hierarchy of things that have to happen in order for you to have all the puzzle pieces fit together. So just like a house architect, and I'm probably explaining this in a bad way. Sorry, Paul, if you're listening, but you know, essentially he's built things out in a way that we can add, you know, way more parks than there are in the world on our platform. And it could uh, handle a crazy amount of bookings. It could handle a crazy amount of parks. It could handle a ton of users. Like because we're built on, it's called Kubernetes. So it's like, I know I'm getting super technical, but basically from an infrastructure perspective, like it's all there. It's just a matter of man hours and getting the parks on board. I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like typically, like how fast can you get a park? Usually or our time, why, like, we say a week. So if you got like 
one park a week is that realistic like you could be getting yeah, 50 sure. a year yeah for sure i hope we get more than that this year but yeah yeah so what is your goal for 2020 how many parks do you want to onboard and have using the software our goal is 100 by the end of next year and what would that mean for company revenue profit all that sort of stuff like At would least, you kind of like reach a point of sustainability not needing additional investors or anything like that yeah unless we wanted to like make some other plays in the space but it'd probably be around a half million Wow. Yeah. I feel like you've got an awesome price point as far as like what each customer is bringing in if you can reach a half million with only 100 customers because 100 campgrounds doesn't seem like that much or like it's that hard. Yeah. It's a lot that we need to make that happen though. So it's a lot of work to essentially like get all the parks on board to get them sold, to get them up and running. So there's a, I'm looking at that and it sounds very achievable and I definitely think it is based on where we're at now, but it's also, it's a lot of work that needs to happen from now until then. Looking at you talking about this, you have this very like cool, confident demeanor. Like, yeah, in a year we could be running a half a million dollar business. That's pretty cool. In the sense that like you're looking at it like you've done all of the groundwork and it's very achievable now to kind of scale much more rapidly. My first year that I was starting campground booking, <laughs> I remember I, at one point in the podcast I said by the end of the year I wanted to be making like fifty thousand a month. But that fifty thousand a month? I thought it was for the year. No. Oh, wow. So I think that was something that has happened over the past few years is like I've gotten a nice dose of reality (laughs) and that I think that the further you get into a business or more experience you get in general, at this point, I guess it sounds very calm and collected because if you have been doing something for a long time, at this point, I can see the path for what we need to do. And if I don't sound like crazy enthusiastic, I mean, I'm excited. It's going to be really cool. I just know that like, it's going to be the same showing up every day, working hard to get it done. But there's actually like a one, two, three, four, five step process to like get there, if, if that makes sense. Whereas in like what I had said a few years ago was just not based on reality. It was based on like blind ambition, which I think is to some extent, like you need to have when you're first getting started on a company, like you need to have that level of excitement, that level of there's an opportunity here, but it's just harder to like, you don't know what those numbers are going to be. And so, yeah, I think you need to have some level of excitement about where the business could be. So I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head. So in 2016, your goal was to make 50,000 a month with the company. Maybe in that's, 2017. That's over half a million. I didn't know what I was, I did. <laughs> I th- maybe I did. I don't know if I said that exactly. There's a podcast episode somewhere in this queue of podcast episodes where oh. I mentioned a crazy audacious goal. And I think at the time I mentioned how audacious it was, but it wasn't based on any factual information. I had never, like I'd been part of software companies, but I'd never been there from the start. So I just didn't know what I was talking about. And now I can look back and kind of laugh and make fun of myself because, you know, we've done a lot of the hard work to get to this point. But yeah, I'm going to find that episode. I will link up to it in the show notes so that we can all collectively listen back and and laugh at your night. It would have probably been from one of our year Year end reviews from 2016, probably 2017. Better yet, see if you can like grab the audio from that episode and put it in right here. here. Okay. I will search for it. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm embarrassed. That is all we've got for sales and marketing of campground booking. Next week, we're going to talk about something much more stressful, customer support and all the ups and downs of the roller coaster that has been how to handle your customer support, especially when you've got a product that isn't quite where you want it to be. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.